0: Detroit is different is where you get information, artistry, history music and even comedy Detroit is different a home for the culture of Detroit visit online at Detroitisdifferent.com today alright it is a Thursday March 8th 2018 back in the Detroit is different podcast studios Um, I'm joined by uh, two women that have uh, ushered and are big homies of mine in a couple of the different things that I do as a lot of people still uh, look at some of the work that I've done being tied to justice, uh, human rights, and that's kind of connected to their brother, uh, one of my big homies, Choque Lumumba. But Choque's lineage and his work that's tireless, uh, that was and still exists to this day, Kind of is connected through family bonds, as any any and everything about Choquay Lumumba included these two women and a lot more of his family, always anchoring, always being around. I have Mama Atari and Mama Shoshana. How are you today? All right, Kyrie. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. All right. So we can get into a little bit of the stories of both of you all collectively. Um, One uh, entrepreneur. Um, when, uh, a lot of people just recently went to get their dashiki and their kufi and their, um, their jewelry and different African garbs. And people were asking, where do I get this? Where do I get this? Mama Atari's owned a shop that's well-known right in the heart of Greek town, uh, for years, uh, where you can get African wares, Mama Atari, um, let's talk a little bit about your shop first and then we can get into more, but let's talk about your shop. Why is it important to sell African wares?
1: Okay, um, correction. I am the manager of Janae Beads and Art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked there for approximately 23 years. Mm-hmm. It's actually African owned okay. by uh, Mohamedou Sumare, who is from Mali, West Africa. And he tells people I'm the owner. So that's where the confusion <laughs> comes in. And mm-hmm. I ask people, well, why did you think I'm the owner? And they say, this big, tall African man told me you're the owner. And I says, okay, uh, except for when it comes to the rent and customer complaints, then he's the owner.
0: <laughs> so he is the owner, and I am the boss. Okay. Owner and boss, so I'm <laughs> corrected. Okay, 23 years. What led you to uh, be in this shop, and what's important about African wares getting to people? Well,
1: um, I am a history major, not a historian, and I it Africa intrigues me more than any other um, continent that I have um, researched. Uh, the beginning of everything, the cradle of civilization. Um, and I am found out Mother Africa, if something happens to her, it's a wrap for all humanity because we literally cannot exist without our mother's fruits. She has eighty percent of the raw materials on the planet Earth. And uh, the history Uh, So what I found interesting is that I can't trace Africans to anyone who preceded them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And uh, the oldest remains of any human uh, was discovered in um, the Horn of Africa between Ethiopia and Kenya, a book called Lucy, authored by Leakey and Leakey, mother and son archaeologists, anthropologists, discovered the remains of a female who stood about four feet high who looked very aboriginal. They know she's black from her DNA and they estimated her uh, composite after they put it together to be approximately three million years old. And um I understand only a pure blooded African woman can produce the DNA of all humanity. So it's indisputable now uh, what humans were the first and everyone who's Asian, Hispanic or Caucasian would ha- have black blood in them, uh, that's if they're human.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, definitely when you get into like the whole concept of anthropology and what does exist, depending upon what you study and what you look into, uh, just the ties is... Anyone would tell you that civilization starts in Africa for not just people, but all forms of life is birth from Africa.
3: And and maybe if I could make, um maybe you can kind of like um, connect the goods and items that you uh, you and Muhammad do sell to the history.
1: Right, we sell authentic African imports and uh, Africa trades with the world more than any other continent. And uh, the Chinese, China more than any other country And, for example, uh, the mineral in the cell phone Mm
0: -hmm. is indigenous. You were just speaking about this before we started, about the movie Black Panther (laughs) and our president. uh, Mm -hmm. It's very aware. I mean, as uh, Africa has been stripped of natural resources or traded or whatever form you want to talk about, just it, it... It's the most abundant form of life that there is. It's the start of civilization. So the best fruits, the best vegetables, uh, animals, waters. uh, It's all abundant. You know, the colonization of Africa that you could argue still is taking place to this day, uh, but definitely was explicitly recognized as taking place throughout the uh, 17th century, 18th and 19th century. Uh, Africa is abundant with any mineral, any uh any um any fabric and then often what's uh, what's taken back and that's kind of what you're wearing now is it's the knowledge, it's the wares, it's the, the artistry of the wares that I think makes African fashion, jewelry, um you know, any other cultural artifact interesting.
1: Exactly. Um I find it intriguing that Every um, culture on earth, I can trace back to a tribe in Africa where that tradition originated. And uh, as far as the mineral in the cell phone being indigenous to the Congo only, but on the cell phone, it doesn't say Africa anywhere, as well as the space shuttle does not say Africa anywhere, but the fuel that shot it to the moon, titanium, only comes from Africa and South America, but it's African titanium, the fuel for the space shuttle. And also, um, trying to exist without our mother's fruits would be trying to breathe without trees, which is not possible because the trees, uh, giant vegetation as such, is pulling the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and replacing it with oxygen so that we can exist. So if something happens to our mother, then it's a wrap for all humanity because we, she is the most tropical climate on earth. Uh, cotton, for example, is truly the fabric of our life, and our uh, European uh, slave uh, captures understood that cotton, Africans were the originators of it and could pick it and weave it into fabric, and that's where they initially got the idea of bringing Africans over here when they discovered cotton grew down south in America uh, so this was a capital they used that launched themselves uh, to trade with the rest of the world. And um, there's just, um, you know, many, many things that in America, black, white, Hispanic, uh, Asian, uh, you, we have been miseducated and uninformed about what Africa has to offer. the gold and the microchip is from Africa. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so many things too countless um, to you know mention at this time. But uh, the movie, uh, the Black Panther movie, I was very pleasantly surprised that the writer was conscious of the fact at the very end, when uh, the reporter asked um, him, the star of the movie, uh, so what could a farmer do, uh, you know, for us? And he he grinned because um, he didn't understand that the whole world, um, what Africa has to offer, that, that we need, that we literally cannot exist without.
0: So, so I, I generally always, like, drive, which I think we went to, like, a huge macro. Mm-hmm. And and I would say to anybody watching this, they should be. If you're watching Detroit is different, chances are you're sort of connected to me. And they definitely should have at least humbled themselves to the idea that all civilization starts through Africa. So it's some ties to something that is African. Um and just family ties. I generally start there. What, what brought your family to, to Detroit? What's, what's your ties to, to the city? Why Detroit, Why have um, how did your family end up in the city?
1: Um, well, from my understanding, um, during the Second World War, in mm-hmm. the middle of the Depression, Uh, a steel mill closed down in Alabama and put thousands of black men out of work. And they were coming to Detroit uh, in hopes of finding employment at Ford Motor Company. Uh, Simultaneously in Mississippi, a coal mine explosion put thousands of black men out of work. So they headed here to Detroit to uh, find employment initially.
0: So you have family in Mississippi and Alabama?
1: Well, not in Mississippi, but in Lafayette, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother's uh, first cousin, Joe Lewis, who became, during the same period, the heavyweight champion of the world. Um, there, Alabama, Detroit had more residents from Alabama, than anywhere in the north
0: with the, now. Okay, now you just skipped over a, a, a huge fact okay. that I'm still just drinking in. Mm-hmm. Your mom's first cousin was Joe Lewis. Did she like play with him as a kid? Like oh, my yeah. first cousin is like, you know, we cool, right? You <laughs> yeah. know, we would go to each other's birthday parties or was it one of those things where like, you have certain people that become celebrities and then it's like, oh yeah, that's my cousin. And it's like, ah, like. Well, it was actually uh,
1: Joe Lewis's mother, Lily Brooks, who was my grandmother's sister-in-law and mm-hmm. best friend. Mm-hmm. So Joe Lewis's father was one of my grandmother's brothers. There were 13 children. Mm-hmm. And um, so when Joe became the heavyweight champion of the world, when black people were full of despair and some hopeless, it would take Barry Gordy to explain at eight years old, when Joe became the heavyweight champion and he saw his parents cry and they were listening to the radio
2: mm.
1: and joy. Yeah. Uh, he saw the joy in black people uh, faces. He decided at that moment in his life, at eight years old, when he grew up, he was gonna bring joy uh as well, and he even. Oh, it was
0: it was more than that. Joe Louis, I mean the Brown Bomber, mm-hmm. I mean he was <coughs> a legend, mm-hmm. and then like like many legends, the IRS <laughs> definitely did not honor his legendary status the way. It should have, you know, and and when you talk about World War II, I mean that whole concept of, mm-hmm. um, I mean Joe Lewis was the black figure embraced most in that World right. War II fight. Out on, a, mm-hmm. I even have like in my slideshow like some of the some of the ads that they would use, uh, mm-hmm. juxtaposing in your generation Muhammad Ali taking the stance to not fight in Vietnam.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, let the record show that Joe Lewis. Uh, he donated over a million dollars of his boxing expedition money to the United States military, enlisted, and they're going to tear Joe Louis Arena down in Detroit. However, Coble Hall remains open with the name Kobo of a former mayor of Detroit, who embezzled over two and a half million dollars while he was in office from the city of Detroit died of a heart attack. His wife fled to Arizona with the money and no law enforcement ever went after her and the money was never recovered and Muhammad Ali, one of our greatest icons, he said that Joe was the white man's uh, black man because he was against Uh, the military, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I say if it wasn't for Jack Johnson, Mm -hmm. officially the first black heavyweight champion of the world, uh, who they wouldn't initially recognize him as that, it wouldn't be a Joe Lewis, Mm -hmm. and there wouldn't be any Muhammad Ali if it hadn't have been for Joe Louis.
3: I wanted to um, add something to, you know, you said you played with your cousins and did Mm -hmm. my mom. Play with her cousins. Well, a couple things. Um, my grandmother was a barrel. Joe Lewis's last name is Beryl. Uh-huh. Um Joe's uh, family, as well as my mom's family, and the other Beryls, uh they all lived in Lafayette, Alabama, like my sister explained. From this, in this place called the Buckaloo Mountains, mm-hmm. and um, the Buckaloo Mountains. I didn't the even know Alabama Buckaloo
2: had. <laughs> That sounds like
3: the yeah. South. Hey, <laughs> hey, look that up because um, my dad used to tease um, my mom sometime and say, oh, "This is my uh, country girl from the Buckaloo Mountains," and we thought he made that up. You yeah, know, that's our uh, country is all get up. No, but actually, we're planning a sojourn there, uh, <laughs> and we have cousins who are still, still there. there. So, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But um, as my sister was explaining, uh, when Joe started his career, uh, his his family moved first uh, to Detroit as well as some of the other uh, uh, siblings, his father's fi- siblings. Then at one point, Joe's mom, Lily Brooks, uh, called my grandmother. Her name was Donnie. And my grandma had... 12 children of her own and three stepchildren. She was raising all 15 of them. And she said, Donnie, get on up here, girl, and bring some of them youngins with you. So that's when uh, my mother uh, and, and our, you know, her family moved.
0: Your mother was one of the youngins. Uh,
3: well, no. she was. She, was, that, she no.
1: was 13 years old, and there is a book called Joe Lewis and Lewis Armstrong, mm-hmm. and it's a picture of my mother mm-hmm. in the book. And the reason her picture's in there, the book explains proof of the Native American heritage because my mother looked very Native American. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why they called him Joe Lewis when that was his middle name, and his last name was actually Barrow. And, of course, as most of us, um, you know, our great-grandfather was a a slave owner, and then these were his children, you know, children. But Lily Brooks, my grandmother's best friend and sister-in-law, as Shoshana was saying, she told her after the steel mill closed and uh, so many black men were out of work, you come on here to Detroit. And she said, well, I, uh, I, I have no way to do that. And Lily Brooks said, I'll pay the train fare for all of the children who aren't grown yet. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, "She says, Lily, I could not let you do that for me. My grandmother said, and Lily rebooked, Lily Brooks uh, replied, child, Joe done gave me so much money. I don't even know what to do with all this money.
2: Mm-hmm
3: but my mother w- was one of the older uh, so, so this was
0: after he was a champion uh, yeah. that you all were sent for and your name your your family's also connected well, i know with Talaferro to right. uh booker t washington but before we even get to that mm-hmm. let's get into your mom being 13 moving to detroit mm-hmm. what was that like that move did did she tell you that move from alabama to detroit like the different field um and how you know how did she embrace it what did it feel like
3: okay well actually mom didn't uh she may have come up to detroit but she moved around with the one the older sister uh betty uh they went to ohio and and, and other places um and mom helped c- take care of um uh the uh, big sister's uh, son uh pierre so mom wasn't here in, in Detroit. Now that, um, I don't know, she used to talk about it a lot. So that's something that we need to check on. So she, she pardon me? Uh, she was, you know, um, she, she, she eventually came back to Detroit because when she did um, come back, she went to school mm-hmm. uh, at Northeastern High School. Oh, Miller. She went Miller, to uh, Miller High. One of, one
0: of the uh, one of the many black people that went to Miller High. <laughs> right,
3: right, right. Uh, and also um, uh, northeastern, and they lived on Hunt Street. When when uh, Lily Brooks sent for them, um, they all lived in the Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lily. Hold oh, no, on. No, okay. You can continue. Oh, Lily and work. her family lived on McDougal, mm-hmm. uh, and my mom uh family lived on hunt street uh which you know is in that 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 area Mm -hmm. and um and then uh most of them went went to miller uh high school so um when what i remember what i recall my uh you know my sister said my mother was 13 she may have arrived here when she was three, 13, but then she moved on with the older sister, and she came back. And then she did do her high school uh, years here.
0: Okay, so so she she basically came here. So at 13, she touched down in Detroit. Right, right. And then right. it was like, nah, you got to go help take care of right, some of these babies. Right, right. So then she moved over to Ohio exactly. where her older sister was. Right. And then stayed with her older sister and was like uh uh Mm-hmm. Even to this day It's like child care is a big thing So it's like we are going to take care of this child care Then came back to Detroit to continue high school Right exactly And then went to Miller uh, right. What year did she finish up at Miller?
3: Well actually she didn't finish up at Miller um, Northeastern
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, Is where she was in the 11th grade mm-hmm. And uh, she experienced a racial incident With a white teacher hmm. uh, What happened? Uh, From what I remember, and Atari might want to add to this if her memory is better, uh, the teacher berated her. Uh, My mother had uh, had some absences due to illness and um, the teacher made it into something else. Mm
0: -hmm. And
3: um, she just publicly or, you know, in in front of the uh, class, uh, humiliated her. Do you remember any more about that?
1: um i can remember my mother being physically very beautiful and Mm. a lot of women were very jealous of her she was very quiet soft-spoken when she walked into the room all heads would turn Mm. and um many men were wanted to marry her and my mother was was
0: that was the marrying era Yes. (laughs) Yes. She shot a nod in her yeah. head like, yes, yes. <laughs> it is not happening today. No, <laughs> no.
1: And she was constantly approached by photographers and people who were uh, wanted Man, to know. guys do, been
0: using that line for that long. Mm. Yes, I want to make you a movie star. <laughs> but
1: um, what happened um, when at the Graystone Ballroom in the Black Bottom because Joe Lewis was responsible for
0: uh, investing a lot of money in different entrepreneurs. I assume everything because he was somebody, and this is one of those arguments I have. When you're somebody seen as having money, you get you know you 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 pool a lot of the good ideas because people need that money to as the right. lead investment for whatever it is mm-hmm. so this is where one of my arguments that I make about uh, why the wealth gap and the disparities continue to exist, especially for certain families because, you know, some of the people with the best ideas for the best investments will come. I Mm -hmm. think we as a people, when you're the black person like that, like Mm -hmm. I often say, you know, LeBron James still has poverty in his phone because he's still connected and he does a lot of stuff in Akron. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen some of the work he does in Akron personally. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's tough. So I can only imagine that everybody was coming to him mm. with well, yes. any ideas, and some of them just like any business. Some businesses work, some businesses don't. It's just Well life. Joe
1: had a second grade education, mm. and he was very generous. Mm. And um, I know his youngest sister of the eight children, Venus High, who was um, at Central High School, the oldest, very first Detroit public high school, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a teacher and counselor there for years mm-hmm. he paid for her college education mm-hmm. and then it's ironic that uh, my son would uh, later become the coach of the basketball team at central high school and that take, took
3: the team to a national, no, to the state championship. Mm, the, their I first remember. and only mm. state
1: yeah. championship, mm, I remember. Um, I remember. mainly because of Antonio Gates, his I big go. left hand gun. Goat. Goat. Um, go. go. <laughs> Coach,
0: Coach T and Goat. Yeah. Right.
1: Okay, but at the Greystone Ballroom, my mother told me her and my dad were there and they were dating. And uh, my courting. Da- uh, yes, courting, and and my dad <laughs> who ha- had a high school diploma and what, from what? Northwestern High School. That's that's and my he, school. That's, you know, yep. okay, and he boxed for Northwestern. And my dad, that what was unusual for a man of his age, who was eighty years old when his journey on Earth ended, uh, two thousand and one to even have a high school diploma, Mm -hmm. and he had one brother. His mother died when he was only four years old and his brother was two, but my grandfather was a brick mason Mm -hmm. and he traveled from state to state. He earned maybe $200 a week where the average black man who was fully employed was only making $50 a week. So my dad um, served in the Army Air Force. He was a corporal and what, a sergeant.
0: Where Was he born in Detroit or was he from someplace
1: else too? Coffeeville, Kansas is where my dad... Uh, Talk about a
0: place I've never heard. How far away was that from Black Wall Street?
1: Um, I'm not certain, but okay. m- my father was very fond of... Uh, Coffeeville, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know anyone from Kansas. Uh, except Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz and The Wizard.
3: No, there's plenty of people. Actually, <laughs> I married. Actually, uh,
0: you married, I married one of the only few man, other black people from yeah, Kansas.
3: Actually, my, my, my husband's family, uh, when I met his grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, he said, uh, My husband told me, Well, my granddad is from Kansas. And I asked his like father, Where? He said, "Coffeeville." I'm like, oh no, that's where my grandfather's from.
0: Hilarious. Yeah,
3: and what was so interesting, Hilarious. he asked me about, not about my uncles, my grandfather's brothers, mm-hmm. but he asked about one of the uncle's wives. <laughs> now that's a whole nother story, <laughs> I don't know. But you were telling him about what happened at the
1: Graystone st- Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad. Where
0: was the Graystone Ballroom?
1: In the Black Bottom. I, so, somewhere was it, uh, near Haston Street, yeah, I think so. Oh, okay, because uh, dad went to get Joe Lewis to bring him to the table to meet his fiance and um, he came over to the table. So, one second,
0: wait, wait, time out, time out, time out.
1: Time I'm on. explaining your dad
0: walked over. No,
1: no, this mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I am i got to explain. It. Okay, my father trained at the Brewster Center, right. too. He was, uh, you know, and he got trophies for boxing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Joe Lewis trained at the Brewster Center. Mm -hmm. So when he, they were both at the Greystone Ballroom at an event, he brought my mother, and when he brought Joe to the table to meet her, Mm -hmm. he said this was his fiance, and he said, what you talking about? This my cousin, and you better be good to her. And my Mm. father was just so... He said, this
3: is pretty Francis.
1: uh, Mm. Taken back because my mother had never told my Uh, dad About that. That Joe was her cousin Mm -hmm. because so many men wanted to date her because Mm -hmm. of that fact. And Mm. my father was finding out for the first time that Joe Lewis was her cousin. And um, I just heard a lot of good things about joe lewis as far as helping mm-hmm. a huge family and i know he he had a brother he opened up a chicken shack and he invested it was a lot of joe lewis uh products oh yeah uh and whatnot but joe um you know when when he died it was sad they were after him it was
0: for t- him red mm-hmm. fox mm-hmm. uh richard pryor uh, Michael Jackson, Prince. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the list goes on as far as when it comes to uh, black celebrities that we know in the light and what happens with their estates mm-hmm. uh, due to taxation and what I mean, James Brown and what happens as the passing. But even, you know, as people move on, you know, how do you move forward with that wealth? But just because poverty is so overwhelming in our community. I do think that we <clears throat> we do have a responsibility to support some of those people with ideas that may not necessarily be as fleshed out because we want our cousin or, or brother or the kid we grew up across mm. the street from to be in entrepreneurship too. Mm. Um, and uh, that follow through, I really think the, the biggest tragedy in my life where I just witnessed it throughout and saw it's funny, it was was like MC Hammer in the way that he embraced, like, just, you know, taking half of Oakland on the tour with him, oh, wow. you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you're going to be a background dancer, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know... Um, But it's uh, the checks and balances based on this system. But Mm -hmm. I had no idea that Joe Lewis was connected to your family Mm -hmm. and uh, that close. So Mm -hmm. Black Bottom was where it started. Where did your parents uh, eventually, what happened from there? So the love started and kindled right there in Black Bottom. Right.
3: Well, actually, they um, got married at St. Stephen's over there. Um, What is that called? Uh, They changed the name. Uh, It's by Scotten Street. Saint Stephen's AME Church. Mm-hmm. Um and uh my father paid for the wedding and Joe Joe's mother again paid for their reception.
0: Did you all go to an AME church then, the <laughs> children? Uh
3: no. Uh okay. my mother uh my mother uh and father converted to Catholicism. Hmm. What, no, I, Dad
1: was already a Catholic.
3: Okay, well, he may mm-hmm. have been already a Catholic, but he wasn't raised Catholic all the way up. Mm-hmm. Not, 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 not. A, you know, his dad wasn't Catholic, but we were were all raised Catholic. Hmm. So after they, you know, got married, and he went into the service, and uh, then, you know, uh, four years after they were married, they started having children. They had eight of us. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, oh, and then. Um, we initially lived on um, in um, on S- Spokane. No, no. Oh no. Oh, no, no we no. lived in By some By Brewster project. V-
1: yeah, veterans co-ops yeah. for mm-hmm. black veterans which was one step above the Brewster <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> projects, you mm-hmm. know.
3: Right. And we um, lived over it there. was like
0: projects for vets. Right. And she
1: wasn't even born that's well, you where were I I, w- I was yes I was 5 months old. Mama said mm-hmm. when we moved on the lower west side of Detroit in a predominantly yeah. catholic neighborhood 1954 when the korean war ended eisenhower was president and i um we lived there on uh that side of town for 14 years
0: and that it, was when you stayed at, over at uh the wh- where was this
1: well we we okay it was on spokane between okay. beechwood and grand river
0: mm-hmm.
1: and okay. we went to saint teresa and i also attended saint cecilia hmm. and then the riot was in 1967 then by 1968 uh just like uh the black bottom they got rid of it by bringing mm-hmm. 75 and saying this is urban renewal, mm-hmm. the same thing in 1968, the Jeffries. And so we had to move because our home was affected by the mm-hmm. expressway and then um, we so moved. So
0: 96 came through where, yes, where right. your house was. Right. Because I'm no, thinking like I know that area, but I'm thinking to myself like I didn't even realize and I'm like, that makes sense. That's why it wasn't Holmes over there, 96. Well, you you mm. know where
3: Steve Soul Food is mm. right over yeah. there. Yeah, right River. right by Northwestern. Right, mm. right, right. Mm. Yeah, so, um, and and do you remember the show Swingin' Times? Well, you wouldn't
0: remember, Lord, no. But mm. there
3: was a show, one of the first dance shows was America. I, I am Bandstand. very familiar with swinging times
0: cause Swingin' Times, because from one time. of my other interviews, I did with Henry Tyler.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Henry
0: Tyler said okay. that a lot of the... The the formation that Nat Morris got, what Mm -hmm. he did, was from Swingin' Times. Mm -hmm. Okay.
3: Well, Swingin' Times, uh, his name was Seymour, Robin Seymour, Mm -hmm. uh, who was the host of that show. Uh, His mother and and my parents and other neighbors um, uh, filed a uh, joint.
0: Like a class action lawsuit. A class
3: action lawsuit. Uh, mm-hmm. against the city of Detroit, because they took their homes by eminent domain. Mm-hmm. So the Jeffreys Freeway could run past there or through there, right? Mm-hmm. And just to give you a little example, like if a home was, uh, they valued a home at 25000 or $35,000, um, where people had added additions of um, finished basements, storm windows, Whenever. all of mm-hmm. that. They didn't give them anything. And by the way, those homes were uh, four or five bedroom homes, some of them. That was a beautiful neighborhood that was still considered a middle uh, class neighborhood. I mean, I'm
0: very familiar with Mm -hmm. that neighborhood to this day, so I can only imagine that because, you know, I went to Northwestern. So most of the kids, uh, you know, would be from like. Pingree and Philadelphia right. and Columbus. So right. I imagine those homes match that or the number streets across the bridge. I, right. I imagine that those homes and the layout is very yeah. similar.
3: Well, some similar, but but on the side we lived on, ours were mostly single homes, mm-hmm. whereas Pingree and it a was lot a of those lot streets, of they had family those two flats. stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and actually we lived in three houses on one block on Spokane. Hmm. Three mm. houses on one block. Okay, In
1: fourteen years.
3: Yeah, and 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 uh, one of the homes. Wow, you guys were doing what we call ghetto moving. So
0: basically, <laughs> yeah. you'd be like, "All right, we're gonna go across the street tomorrow." <laughs> right, right, right. And
3: and then it was always uh, adding mm-hmm. kids. That's that was the reason for the move. Mm-hmm. But um, just to go back one minute, when my, the, the, my parents first started having children after they got married. Uh, they lived in that area by the Brewsters because Florence Ballard's uh, mm-hmm. family, and for Florence and Ballard Supremes, from the Supremes. Right. Uh, we, we were neighbors then. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, ironically, when we moved on Spokane, not long after, Florence Ballard's family moved on Spokane too. Mm. And at one point, we lived directly across from each other. Ain't that something. Yes, yeah, so and our families were very much connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florence uh, dated my oldest brother, the one right over um, Cho for a mm-hmm. uh, short while. Mm-hmm. And we
1: grew up with the Gordies. Yes, mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. of, yeah, of them Gordies. attended yeah, Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so the lower west side of Detroit, mm-hmm. most of our friends attended uh, northwestern they went to weber uh mm-hmm. you know to uh to mcmichael pattengill because mm-hmm. you know when you go to catholic school they don't have a kindergarten you it begins mm-hmm. at the first grade mm-hmm. so you'd have to go to a public school to attend the kindergarten mm-hmm. and my father the area he was from uh grand river mcgraw warren Scotton was the street he actually grew up on, <laughs> and that was upper middle class, you know, black people. Mm-hmm. But my mother, uh, with the 12 siblings and... Three step children. Like they you know, they didn't come from <laughs> upper middle upper class. Middle, yeah, mm. you know, mm. they they lived on Hunt Street. <laughs> uh, exactly. On Hunt Street near. Joe was
0: helping, but Joe wasn't helping like that. No. Yeah. And, and my
1: father loved my mother so much he paid for the wedding. You know, here he the bride pays for the wedding, but um, my mother didn't have any money. Her family didn't have money, so my dad uh, wound up paying for the wedding, and she said she met him at a military ball, and she was with a date, he was with a date, and my dad walked across the room and asked her date, could he have a dance with my mother. So uh, that's how it started, and then one date they went on, and my aunt had-
0: hey, your dad. your dad must have been uh, pretty- <laughs> He must have been in boxing training for real, for real. Because that's a that's a very intimidating situation to be uh, asking another black man, Can you get a step in for a dance? Right. Right. <laughs>
1: w- well, yes, but, but but um my my dad, um you his cognosed you know, Yeah, his confidence uh, you, you know, what right. was remarkable. He was definitely a leader and that's where Choquei, my brother, gets his warrior mm-hmm. spirit and his love for the people came from my mother so that combined uh chokwe was fearless and my father was my hero i don't know any man personally that i could say i'm a witness to his courage i've never seen my father back down i always seen I see, him yeah, stand up because
0: yeah, mm-hmm. i'm gonna definitely get this disclaimer for for the mm-hmm. young gentleman listening especially in 2018 mm-hmm. kari does not stamp he's trying to step in and say can i get a dance <laughs>
2: Mm-mm. 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 oh and then
1: at a weenie roast at bell out when my aunt had to uh, escort my mother on the date uh, there was another man who wanted to marry my mother, hmm. and uh he said the reason he wasn't our father because my mother decided to marry our father instead of him that's, and,
0: a, that's an interesting statement, but it sounds like something men would say yes, but they I said, mama, what happened
1: and she said that. My dad and him were arguing over who was gonna put the mustard on her hot dog. Oh, oh my is. god! So I guess my father well, won that fight too.
3: I'll tell oh, you yes. someone you might remember that um, uh, knew my mother and her sisters well, and um, he uh, told me that it wasn't my mother because my s- mother's sisters were beautiful, uh, of course, too. Uh, but he, I think he, uh, he, from what he was telling, sharing with me it was her sister mm-hmm. that uh he pretty much had the crush on was uh uh, uh ray jenkins reparations reparations ray, ray Jen- reparations mm-hmm. right and he mm-hmm. said those finley girls were the most beautiful girls and uh, I
0: mean, to this day, you, yeah, your, your family, yes, is very attractive women in your mm-hmm. gene pool. It's, it's oh, okay, well, it, thank it, you. It, fly, it flies <laughs> over well. You'd be like, ah. <laughs> but oh, what was man, so beautiful, be beautiful
1: no about my mother? Um, <laughs> my, my mother was physically very mm-hmm. beautiful, mm-hmm. but she was not vain or mm-hmm. conceited, mm-hmm. and that's what I re- remember about her that was remarkable that she never acted like because of the way she looked mm-hmm. that the world was, was at her feet. Or mm-hmm. that she was entitled. So, mm-hmm.
0: um, from there, what do you all remember most about growing up in that neighborhood? Is that's like my you know, that's like yeah. I would yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Even yeah. though I like this is like more mm-hmm. so kid mm-hmm. stumping grounds, but teenage oh, stumping okay. grounds, I mean it wouldn't mm-hmm. I think maybe from uh 99 to 2005 it probably wouldn't be a day i probably wouldn't wouldn't spend less than Mm. at least three hours over on carter and see (laughs) i didn't even smoke weed enough that they be smoking weed and playing basketball (laughs) and writing raps and stuff that was just Mm. where we would be so what what did you all like most about well spokane was
3: the village i mean it epitomized the village um you know, uh, Miss Turner down the street, if she told me to do something, I better do it. Miss mm-hmm. uh across uh, uh, the street, she organized the youth and made sure we were uh, active all the time. Um, you know, the uh, Mr. Bale and Mr. Peterson used to go down to Mississippi and uh, bring back. Uh, or not not Mississippi, I think it was uh, Louisiana and bring back sugarcane mm-hmm. and they were shucking in sugarcane in the backyard and when they would bring and they would bring back uh, peanuts and watermelon from hmm. Georgia and it wasn't just for them, everybody on the block came and got some. Cool. So um, and our house, what I remember, we were pretty much the the, the hangout uh, many times because mm. a lot of the neighbors had plastic on their their sofas, their <laughs> okay, <laughs> and the yeah, kids could. <laughs> that's very. That's uh, very. Yeah, they didn't want
0: they didn't want kids messing up and dropping Kool Aid stains right, right. on the couch, so they knew. They yeah, it was yeah. a lot of plastic plastic furniture.
3: But our but our house was open, you know, <laughs> as as long as as our parents w- were there and mm. uh, supervising. Mm -hmm. But, uh, now, believe it or not, this is my older sister, and then there's one a little older than her, and, um, when we became of age, uh, when they became of age to, like, boys, Mm -hmm. uh, dad, oh, talk about, you know, uh, he kept a tight rein. And I can uh, right, the boxing came
0: back into effect. <laughs> right,
3: so sometimes uh, they couldn't have boy company, mm-hmm. you know. But so sometimes when they, my parents would leave and go take care of business or whatever, boys would find their way over to the house.
0: As, as boys as uh, I've been, that boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let
3: mm-hmm. me tell you what my father had for him. He he and my grandfather, who my sister told you was a, a brick uh, layer, brick maker, mm, mm. they he, they built this wall, <laughs> eight, eight feet, <laughs> a
1: eight foot
3: wall, mm. and 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 one day uh, my parents were on their way home because I got the phone call and I you know they were telling me to lie, and I wasn't good at lying then, <laughs> so. Uh, my father, I guess, caught on to it, so they're on their way home. Oh, you should have saw them guys jumping, trying to jump over that wall. It was just mad.
1: Yes. Um, one of them jumped over uh, about a five-foot chain-link fence, and mm. the other one, I don't know how he got over that eight-foot uh, cement block wall mm. because uh, all I had to do is say, my father's coming home, and they say, Big Lou is on his way. Yeah, they
3: caught him big. Li- and, and during mm-hmm. the riot, they're used to, well, that's really when I think they, uh, that wall came about during the riot, it was bushes. And we lived off of the alley. Right. We lived off mm-hmm. the alley. Mm-hmm. So looters, quote unquote, when the police were in pursuit of them, they would throw the goods in those mm-hmm. bushes. So my father go out there and find uh, TVs, uh, all uh, kind of stuff in there. And my father smoked cigars for a period. And uh, he found a box of cigars in there Mm -hmm. one day. And uh, what did he do with those cigars? Well,
1: my mother told him to throw those things away or put them back. Mm -hmm. And then Dad put some stuff back, but when we got in the car... Uh, Over his son, Visor, he had a pack of cigars he put there. But uh, I didn't know, uh, let me see, in 1967, even though our parents were civil rights activists, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what the word racism meant. I know what hate was and what it looked like, and that's what I realized I was experiencing from uh, a lot of Caucasians, but I didn't understand why Mm -hmm. they hated uh, black people. But um, in 1967, 12 or 13 years old, it was like a quiet storm. I saw rage in black people's faces and all of a sudden I saw this city burning. Mm -hmm. And I remember us living right off of Spokane off the corner of Grand River and next to an alley, uh, this 17-year-old boy named Billy Dalton, who lived over this Italian, it was no such thing as a supermarket. It was called a grocery. You go to the grocery, you go to a fruit market to get produce, you go to the butcher to get your meat cut up, to a fish market to get whatever. But these Italians, that owned this grocery upstairs, it was like a loft, and Billy Dalton and his mother and his brother Keith lived there. So it's maybe about 9.30 at night, and it's hot as I don't know what in July. I hear, I see two st- state troopers with guns pulled in the alley, and I'm looking out the window trying to see and Billy Dalton was walking down the alley, he was ahead of them, and they said, freeze, nigger, and he stopped. And they said, what are you doing out here after curfew? He said, I'm coming from work, I'm going home. It's not after curfew, which was 11 p.m., and this was around 9.30. And then uh, he says, I'm going home. And they said, well, you better run, nigger, and all of a sudden I heard shots. They shot him in the back. He was killed. And I remember, um, you know, things like that occurring. But previous to the riot, us growing up in that neighborhood with a block club and the extended family, and like Shoshana said, Everybody chipped in. I re- so
0: almost as like a kid, you were insulated from a lot exactly. of the direct racism that was going on. And right. I'm sure um, your older siblings and also your parents didn't right. experience. But as a child, you kind of stayed in that community, right. that village. Right. And mm. it was a different feel. Right. So after after that, where did you all move to?
1: We moved to Northwest Detroit and actually... We were living in the Cooley School District, but I had already started going to Mumford Mm -hmm. High School, so Mumford uh, was closer to our home actually than
0: Cooley. Why didn't you go to Northwestern if you already started school?
1: Um, No, because we we moved out out of that neighborhood, and unfortunately, we had to buy a new house. I was the first child of the eight children to have to attend public school, and they could no longer afford to pay our tuition because they had to get a mortgage. But Mm -hmm. the house that we lost, that they took by eminent domain on Spokane, (laughs) my father owned that house free and clear. Now here you are, we're in a Jewish neighborhood now, you know, uh, near Mumford, Mumford, and and they paid maybe $10,000 for most of those homes 30 years. Previously, and we were selling them for $30,000. So, we were, um, they were making a killing in real estate selling black people because when you move, you want to move to a nicer area, something that's offering more that uh, is safer. And that's what most uh, black people from the lower west side of Detroit, it wasn't just Northwestern, it was predominantly Northwestern, the people who were affected who lived near there, but people, uh, Murray Wright, Mm -hmm. Chatsy, uh, Central, uh, in 1970, Mm-hmm. Mumford won the city championship mm-hmm. for the first time because they had all these black players on yeah. the team. Um, they had never won a city championship. We, we,
3: we moved on Mark Twain off Outer of Drive, in between uh, at that time uh, Sinai and uh, uh, Mercy Mount, Carmel. Mount Car- Carmel Hospitals, which eventually, you know, Sinai merged with Mount Carmel, and that's Grace Sinai. But um, we lived right off of uh, uh, Outer Drive, West uh-huh. Outer Drive. But how
0: how did that neighborhood feel differently? Like, was it a difference? Did you notice it? Or was it just one of those things where, because you were young, it just...
3: Oh, yeah, it was different because um, you didn't have the village. The village was gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the time we got on Mark Twain and out of drive, Uh, We did meet some neighbors, um, like the our immediate neighbors right next door to us, right across. So it's
0: more like today. So you know the person next to you and across the street, but you may not know. You don't know the person. Down right.
3: It, and it was a little bit better than the day because we may have n- known who they were, but it wasn't all of the block club activity. Uh, it wasn't all of the, the men bringing stuff yeah, back from
0: from Jackson, Mississippi and coming back. Right, to right, right. Like,
3: but I, I want to refresh Atari's memory because the reason why we stopped going to Catholic school And all of us had uh, acclimated through Catholic school, uh, starting with the oldest one uh, down to the youngest one. it wasn't because of the mortgage. It was because she got into an incident with a a nun, a physical uh, altercation. When St. Teresa and Visitation merged, the high school became St. Martin de Porres. Mm-hmm. and uh the the great what we call the grade school elementary middle remained uh saint Teresa and uh Atari they had come up with some rule where the visitation kids had to go out run one door, and the Saint Teresa kids went out the other door and Atari didn't know anything about the rule uh, it was the first day, and the nun accosted her hmm. and put her hands on her uh she might want to speak to that but before she do I just want to say that was the point my our parents pulled us out because I was in the 7th grade mm-hmm. she pulled uh and then I went to uh Weber mm-hmm. uh middle school and then the um little brothers mm-hmm. uh she pulled them everybody came out well that after was that.
1: because they couldn't afford it but you you're right that's a part of it Um, when I was um, in the eighth grade Mm -hmm. and visitation uh, kids were being bused to St. Teresa, Mm -hmm. and they called it the grammar school from the first grade through the eighth, uh, St. Teresa visitation. And then the students who lived in our Mm -hmm. neighborhood on the west side had Mm -hmm. to be bused to um, St. Martin de Porras. So there was a rule Uh, when the buses come to pick the students up, even if that was the closest door on Blaine that you exit to go to your home, you had to leave out another door on, I don't know if it was Pingree or Quincy. So this particular day, one of the students that had to get on the bus, she was a safety girl, I was a safety girl, and part of our responsibility was to uh, clean the classroom after all the students were out, straighten up the desk, sweep the floor, pick up papers. Mm -hmm. And she asked me could I do it for her because this particular day she hadn't finished and she had to get on the bus or the bus was gonna leave her. So I said uh, yes. So I'm leaving after I finish and then this nun she asked me, where was I going? And I says, I'm going out the door. She says, well, you ain't supposed to go out this door. I say, but the buses have already left. So next thing I know, she grabs me and she slaps me so hard. I, it was a blackout, not unconscious, mm-hmm. but I had never been hit that hard before. Mm-hmm. She slapped me upside the head. And then I reflected and socked her. I didn't mean to and knocked her glasses off. But I had never been hit like that before. So maybe that was my father and Joe Lewis and me because I certainly socked her. And then next thing I know.
0: For uh, hitting back when hit.
1: Right. But then this other nun who I didn't even notice, who was standing at the top of the stairs watching the whole thing. Mm-hmm. She came down, grabbed me, twisted my arm behind my back. And the other nun had me on the other side and they drugged me up the stairs and were calling me an animal. And Mm -hmm. I started crying. I didn't know what was going on. Then when we got to the office, the black secretary from Tennessee, Mm -hmm. she was crying and wanting to know what's going on. She was afraid to do anything, but she was hysterical, not me. Then they took me in the office, called my mother. My mother didn't drive. She had to walk up there. And then we sat in the office, and the nun told her version of what happened. Mm -hmm. And I told my version of what happened. So how it ended, my mother was just listening, and she says, Now, Sister uh, Rose Christie, who was the nun who assaulted me, and Sister Eleanor Patrice, who was the principal, I have eight children, and I won't sit here and tell you that none of them lied to me, but I want you to know one thing, this one here, Mildred, she doesn't. And she says, come on, let's go. So she let me know that she believed me. Mm -hmm. And that was very heartening. It wasn't like I never lied to my mother, but when it ever came down, you're going to tell me the Mm -hmm. truth or you're going to be punished. I would always tell the truth. Okay, so, but the other thing I learned that was devastating, that broke my heart, I wanted to be a nun. And then when I saw this nun lie, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know nuns were capable of lying. That's Mm -hmm. how brainwashed I was and I knew this nun was lying and then I had been told by another nun the parish would be better off if my family was not in it but see not understanding superiority inferiority not knowing what the word racism meant Mm -hmm. I was very confused and I did not go home and tell my mother mama what is a negra Somebody called me one, I didn't get it, okay, but I I soon uh, understood uh, what it was about. I noticed the white children, especially the ones of British descent and of Italian descent, mistreated the children uh, from Ireland and the ones who were Polish and Czechoslovakian and Yugoslavian. And even a girl came from Baghdad, Iraq, I didn't know what... She was. She was a Chaldean. They mistreated her and the Mexicans and the blacks. They treated us um, worse. But I think as far as lowest self-esteem, some of the blacks had it worse than any of the other categories. And as far as high self-esteem, some of them they thought they were on top of the world. I mean, we had we went to school with kids that parents were lawyers and doctors, some of them, and the Gordys, who would have known that Barry Gordy would have a corporation that would produce more black millionaires than any business in the history of yeah. America.
0: But that family, um, and I recently had, um, you know, someone connected to the family most definitely that runs the Motown Foundation. Uh, I had her mm-hmm. on recently and we talked about the legacy, but that family, mm-hmm. that trust was already mm-hmm. it existed. And right. It was entrenched and um, just mm-hmm. in that like, you know, you know it, it says a whole lot about the, like I was saying the caste based system mm-hmm. that does exist based on the schools you can attend and then the connections that you have mm-hmm. it, it does exist. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it already says about the outcome of the people of the type of life you have if you were at the point in time, you know, if you were a mm-hmm. black person with families in Catholic schools versus the black right. person that, you know, is mm-hmm. in neighborhood schools or maybe doesn't even get past the junior mm-hmm. high school. So in your boat in both your journey. So you followed in your sister's footsteps and, and went on over to Muffer. What was Muffer like for you? as, mm-hmm. you know, now you're embracing, so you went through more public school than, uh, you were the first right. siblings to go through more public yeah. school than everybody Because I also
3: went to Winship and I went to Hamilton, uh, Hampton. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Because um, uh, I kind of got kicked out, because uh, the boy, it's a true story, the boys went crazy when I came to the school. The boys went crazy. They did. Tell <laughs> <laughs> tell. <laughs> tell no tell. And, uh, and actually, there's a famous musician, so I, I don't know if I should call his name. Hilarious. <laughs> He's a famous musician. You inspired, he, you inspired an album that we he, love. No, <laughs> nah, he, played, he plays the drums now. But when I uh, went to Hampton, he uh, wanted to talk to me, and uh, his girlfriend went crazy. Uh, so she went and got with the, it was a little girl gang over there.
0: That 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 story has been happening, and is probably happening oh, right yeah, now as we speak. Oh yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it could have got serious.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> at
3: one point, the gang wanted to jump me at the bus stop, and this boy, God bless his soul, who I understand is dead now, uh, he handed me a knife. I mean, they were getting mm. ready to physically jump me, mm. and um, no, so it turned out horrible. So. Uh, when the the uh,
0: school officials got involved. Okay, one second, time out for everybody listening. This is so. This is like <laughs> such a classic ghetto story right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it happened. You gotta a watch your, You have to be mindful sometimes of where, right. what you need presents itself. Right. That kid carrying a knife, he probably shouldn't be carrying a knife. No. But sometimes when you need a knife, mm-hmm. you end up with one. So continue. And it
3: <laughs> happened right there on the corner of Curtis and Livinois. There was a, a gas oh, station man. there.
0: Big B's Big Barbershop now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I was walking home from school. The gang following me, and they Ugh. gonna beat me up. And Ugh. and so this uh, guy, uh, he see he says, "Well, well, here, here, uh, get them, get them, stick them." And I'm like, "Whoa!" And and God forbid um i'm scared to death i didn't know yep. what to do yeah um but
0: not experiencing knife fighting
3: no and i'm by my you know i'm with the guy but i'm the only girl and it was like about seven of them i think that wanted to jump me so i just kind of like tried to play bad mm-hmm. you know uh talking about well if you gonna mm-hmm. get me come on and get me right mm-hmm. but thank god see god is always there for you. They they bit on your they bit on your birth. No. The they man came from the gas station. Oh, okay. He came out. <laughs> and he said, This ain't happening here. <laughs> so they said they was gonna get me the next uh Tuesday or whatever the next no. day was. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be there. Oh, I tried everything in the world not to go to school. I told mm. my mom I was sick and all kind of stuff. But thanks to Big Sis here she had a couple of friends.
2: Mm.
3: She couldn't come up there because she was taking tests, exams or something. She probably didn't want to help me, no. But Hilarious. she sent <laughs> she sent her girls up there. And her girls happened to have a reputation mm-hmm. of uh, where... Street cred. Right, they had street cred. <laughs> and this little middle school, because, you know, Hampton is a middle school. Yep. These girls coming from Mumford. So, by the time they come up there, and then the boyfriends, because it wasn't just one boyfriend, it was several boyfriends, they, you know, uh, made the girls apologize. The, uh, her friends come up there. So, it's, no, it's not going to oh, be yes. no beat down on Shoshana no more. But what happened, the school officials said, you done came here and started all this trouble, and uh, you don't, we found out you don't even live in the district. You got to go. Mm. So they kicked me out. I went to Winship, which okay. is where I was supposed to be. Okay. Predominantly white school. Mm. Didn't want to be there. Mm. Uh, and what I learned there from white people was amazing. You needed the knife again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and my
1: girls, as she's calling them, uh, uh-huh. from Mumford, Uh-huh. The first thing I did when I had to go to public high school mm-hmm. is make friends with the bullies because I heard they beat up girls that come from Catholic school. <laughs> and
0: everything you said is so real. Mm-hmm. I went to I mean, because it's just I mean these are defense mechanisms but shit. Like like mm-hmm. I always tell people, um, when I did when I did my follow leader program mm-hmm. when you were, were right, teaching at Marvel, right. like you know, people look at it like these kids are in gangs, and it's like it's not even gang. I'm mm-hmm. I'm living next door to this person, so mm-hmm. even if they do something that I don't agree with, like mm-hmm. I remember, it was these these kids that were, I guess you could consider them bullies, but I just, you know, they 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 were uh, they were sad in pain, and the way they would mm-hmm. express their pain was in right. harming others. Right. So one of the harming others things they like light, light mm-hmm. pennies on fire and throw them at people. So mm-hmm. it's like okay you know you should want to mm. fight a person that does that but it's mm. like if i don't get mm. into this fight for a someone i associate with that i got to ride the bus with that knows <laughs> right. where i live right. then i'm then that means i'm putting myself in danger mhm for forever you right. know what i'm saying cuz it's no it's no it's no uh, school security, mm-hmm. no principal, no vice principal when you're, you know, when it's summertime right. you, you on the block. Right. Nobody's there to help. So it's mm-hmm. like, but right. by not getting into that fight, mm-hmm. you know, in school, mm-hmm. that one day, you know what I'm saying? Word mm-hmm. or get out like, oh, man, he ain't going to stand up for good. <laughs> like, oh, and that's kind of how you end up in the game. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's not even, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like a defense mechanism. Of, right. Um, I live here and I'm mm-hmm. lived by some very brazen individuals that do stupid stuff cause whatever they're doing mm-hmm. and now I gotta. Right,
1: right. well right. Kyrie for the f- entire four years I attended Mumford after making friends with the bullies. I yeah, can't okay. even tell you how many females wanted to fight me over a boy that mm-hmm. may have liked me that I wasn't even interested in. Yeah. However, I got through four years without ever being in a fight because the bullies would say oh no you ain't gonna put your hands on Millie Tally or Farrell you are gonna have to fight me first well
0: Mm -hmm. that was a good that was a good uh, that's called street smarts Mm -hmm. that's a good defense mechanism but it's real like do you think that that and you you you. Uh, been completely in there as a high school teacher. Like, mm-hmm. what is that insecurity like? Because i witnessed mm-hmm. more of it for, like, a lot of young girls over, like, how they look and how they feel and
3: mm-hmm. the impression
0: of men is like, like, is, does, because that happens so often. It, it, it just
3: continues on to this day.
0: Uh, I mean, like, when you say this day, meaning, like, it, it carries out even past high school to uh, adulthood? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's like, you know, women unfortunately, are the, uh, women are in the senior home, like,
3: yeah, younger. Well, not in the senior home. <laughs> no, I think you know uh, the, our young parents today. They're younger and younger. They're more um, immature. And I'm sorry, some some of your generation might get upset with me for saying this, but this is what what I see. Um, when in my generation, the the young parents were more mature. Uh, they grew into their parenthood and they went home for the most part and took care of their children and they, they settled down. Um, what I've seen over the past couple of decades with these young parents, maybe uh, not couple, maybe like four uh, all throughout my teaching career, they're more uh, immature. Uh, and I'm, t- I'm speaking about the younger parents, mm-hmm. they're more immature. And so their children, you know, have more issues and are not as disciplined. So this girl thing, you know, um, sometimes, uh, and I've seen it firsthand uh, at Henry Ford. It happened at King High School um, where the parents would come up there and fight the girl. The other, you know, the two girls get into it.
0: Okay, and- so the, the now it's like... You like my man and it's like, mm-hmm. uh no, your man like me. And mm-hmm. then it's like, I'm gonna beat you up. And then right. it's like my mama coming up here to beat you up yeah. too. Right. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Like it, it'll almost get to that. But what's what's happening even in that thought process just as women, mm-hmm. and that's just mm-hmm. exploring it, and you are like what? both of you all are, are more like when we say right. standardly attractive. Right. As far as just uh you know, and you're mm-hmm. you know, like I say, you like the the idea of what most men see right. as attractive is in right. you know your your whole family. So mm-hmm. like being that that's connected, and then that puts it almost like in a danger zone of like, man, just right. right. my insecurities because right. society has what Shoshana looks like right. as like now you know right. the guy that you know is my seventh grade boyfriend right wants to slide you know wants right. to send you a note, and now mm-hmm. it's like man, I feel like the only defense I have for this is to assault you. Well you know what the best response
3: I can give you for that Kyrie is um, what I gave my uh, female students over the years and and that was often when they were uh, faced with the same situation of having them fight uh, you know other girls because mostly because of a boy uh, or boys Um, and I told them first of all you're not gonna these people aren't gonna mean anything to you 10-15 years down the line uh, and and they probably couldn't grasp that or they didn't care about that at that time but it happened to me because the, the girl who uh, went with the musician she turned out uh, when I was teaching at Mumford to come up there to Mumford and she also worked for the board and actually she had a, a, a higher position, she was in administration uh-huh. You know, but it wasn't nothing. I mean, if mm-hmm. she re- re- remembered, which I'm sure she did, and I remembered, mm-hmm. it wasn't about nothing. But the second thing, and this, I think, did and um, you know, influence some of the girls. The man at the gas station that came out when that guy was trying to hand me the knife, mm-hmm. and I'm facing these girls, six or seven, that's getting ready to jump on me. He came out, and he stopped it, and he said to me, you're too pretty to get your face messed up. And i that's what I tell these young ladies. Mm-hmm. You know, not only that you're too pretty to get your face messed up, but it is not worth you sitting down going into some juvenile uh, facility
0: mm-hmm. over yeah. some mess like that. Yeah, because yeah. you'll be fighting every day. Right, you're right. Juvie. It'll mm-hmm. go from a fight one day to right. Every day right. And and like This this concept um, And I definitely Didn't think we mm-hmm. End up here But now It's good to Kind of mm-hmm. just Explore this In this world As um, Another one of the Podcasts I have Is with Frida Sampson uh, Reverend Sampson's Daughter Oh, okay. And we, we'll talk Just about Just the idea mm-hmm. Of like Roles in women And I still feel like mm-hmm. Men really objectify Women Just cause like mm-hmm. Societally The the only way I kind of understand The blindness That white men that white people have towards racism is Mm because I'm a man and I kind of see just in my own mind like how I see sexism and how Mm -hmm. I see women. But um, you all have had different fights and we haven't even really touched. And I'm going to have to bring you all back to talk Mm -hmm. and explore a whole lot more of, um, you know, activism. Mm -hmm. and But just being in families. Let's just stay right there in Mm -hmm. families. What do you think, like... um, Cause you just talked about with women mm-hmm. and families just really aren't as present. Uh, our marriage is really not as present. Mm-hmm. Like what role do you think men play? Like me, my homeboys, like what role do we play in relationships? Mm-hmm. If, if in families in, in this community today, because mm-hmm. we're generally not present or as present in that space as husband or what, what you want to go? For
1: well, my dad was my hero. So I have an example mm. of what a real man is. And it's quite obvious to me when I see I'm dealing with a male that isn't a real man. So that it's very difficult for me to uh, have empathy because I don't have sympathy. No, I do not feel sorry for you if you have no faith or belief in yourself then you are truly hopeless. Mm -hmm. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard said to be a champion means you have to believe in yourself even when no one else will. Mm -hmm. And I've never been a boxer but I can only imagine if I'm fighting and I'm losing and everyone's cheering my opponent and they're booing me I could throw the towel in and accept defeat or I could keep on trying and I may become the victor. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad and my mom, my mom always treated my dad like the king he was and likewise he always treated her like the queen she was. We had very good example. My parents were as good as they come. They don't come any better than them. And I know other couples I esteem as highly who I've seen how they ran their households and raised their children. We had an extended family. We had neighbors. If I'm riding my bike, I'm nine years old, and you got to be 12 to ride it in the street. Before I get home, the neighbor done already called. And my mother whips me. Then when my dad comes home from work, I get another whipping. And then my brother wants to punish me too. So it was like the things that occur now, they weren't occurring when we were children. The world was on our side. we It was like a loving community, arms wrapped around us. So we were secure, we weren't as insecure. If someone got murdered with a gun, that was one person we knew in the whole neighborhood in a year. Uh, An unwed mother, a teenage girl having a baby, that wasn't common, but the shame that was looked down on a person who had a person who was mentally challenged, a relative and you put them out in the street it was worse so, than than the shame of a a, a girl being so, pregnant before marriage.
0: Okay because I guess this this just may be my my theory because mm-hmm. I've I've been to a um, I've been to a couple of different baby showers where Jesus is the daddy mm-hmm. and you'd be like all right. He'd be like damn y'all still ain't together but Mm -hmm. it's like (laughs) man maybe ain't even out yet but i get is am i just assuming this that like uh you know the when people say my grandma had 27 kids that a lot of kids got sent down south that really weren't grandma's kids like did was that happening like this is just a theory i got
3: uh no i don't i don't think so too much Uh, so
0: you think it was just not as much pregnancy Back in the day,
3: right, right, mm-hmm. right. I, 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 I think that, uh, and actually, I see some improvement in your, you know, your generation on down. Uh, girls are not getting pregnant as much. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of pregnancy in in my generation, uh, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I got married at a very uh, young age and pregnant, so I know it was a lot of pregnancy. But um, I want to address what you were saying about the the, the brothers and, you know, um, it it upsets me and infuriates me to hear the media and and different folks always constantly talking about uh, black men are absent out of the home Mm. and, um, you know, uh, black men don't take care of their families. Because um, I know a lot of white men and I know, uh, I I mean, I used to be a juvenile probation officer and I had a lot of, uh, you know, white uh, kids on my caseload. So and and then just observing, you know, that there are white men who are not taking care of their uh, family. Um, I think that that is um, is factual that uh, some black men do not take care of their families. But what I see, and I see it more and more, are young men like yourself. Um, young men like, you know, uh, Boba Jason, Brad Scott, you know, Brad, um, he does the t-shirts and stuff. But th- he's in your generation, and mm. he has a, ooh, a, guy, a, a whole boatload of kids, okay? And, um, and, and then my daughters, they have friends, male friends, who some of them are single fathers taking care of their children. So I do see some improvement in, in, in that area. And I think um, brothers should be
0: congratulated. I think it's, um, I just think like when you talk about the reverence of that household, I'm just mm-hmm. saying more so the marriage. I do see oh, fathers yeah. being present um, mm-hmm. with their children. uh um, and then I see some that aren't like you know. I, it took a while to grow up, and then it's like, oh man, one of my homeboys is somebody that I looked at. Like, how do you end up? Mm-hmm. But then you understand the whole story because you mm-hmm. see the relationship grow, right, or falter, or I mean, even even in this day, like uh, seeing like just with the passing of my mom and the passing right. of my aunt, and then it just opens up different stories about family dynamics of mm-hmm. like you know where things lie and mm-hmm. what doesn't lie, but. Just in that difference with marriage being an institution, like, does that still need to play a role? Yeah. Do you think it should? Does it uh, not? Y- yes. I mean, uh, Over. because mm-hmm. just in my generation, mm-hmm. like, I, I mm-hmm. like let's put it like this. I don't go to many, as far as mm-hmm. a lot of my, my black male friends, mm-hmm. I'm not going to many weddings. Right. You know, I will go to baby showers. Okay. More I often see. when I go
1: to I a well, over eighty uh, percent mm. of the households in the black community is manned by a woman. The 80%? father, eighty sure? uh, percent, and uh, the father is either deceased, incarcerated, or walking around dysfunctional like a zombie in a trance from substance abuse. So, I applaud the fathers who are being responsible and they do exist. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly where it's set because I don't feel the father is any more responsible than the mother is as far as what, that's their product. So Mm -hmm. whatever you produce, You have to be responsible for it. And I don't like hearing about the crackhead mama that abandoned her baby and never, no mention of the father when I figure 50% of that baby is somebody else. So where's the father at? Mm -hmm. And then it depends on your values. And what Shoshana and I are are saying, we were raised with different values. Mm -hmm. We saw how beautiful a monogamous relationship could be when two people really wanted to get married, when they really wanted to have a family. And we also saw examples of children who came from homes where uh, the mother or father was deceased. Mm -hmm. And the father tried to raise his four daughters uh, by himself, but it wasn't by himself, even if he never got married. And I'm thinking of four remarkable young women yeah. uh, one is Shoshana's best friend. When their mother died, mm-hmm. his sister stepped in. Uh, I think it was his mother in law. He mm-hmm. never got married again. But um, four remarkable okay. young women because his father loved his daughters mm-hmm. and he was responsible for them.
3: Okay, um, I'm on the challenge of Tyree's uh, figure. I think that came out of white proper media propaganda, that 80%. I'm sorry. I don't believe that 80% uh, of the households are mandated by women uh, because, see, what they're not putting taking into account in that figure is the households where women and men live together but are not married. So, you know that, that that's not that's not right. And also I'm gonna use you for an example. You're in, in this generation and you came from a healthy, beautiful, mm-hmm. loving, uh pa- parent uh, parental, you know, parenting mm-hmm. relationship. You're mm-hmm. uh outcome of that, you and your sister. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so just like uh Atari and I in our generation You are an example of it in your generation. So, of course, you know, this is my my position. Marriage makes it better. Mm -hmm. Marriage is better.
1: It's ideal.
3: Yeah, it's ideal. But, um, you know, uh, and I I wish more people would move towards it. But um, if they're not moving towards it, you know, if the... uh, parents can co-parent. And I, and mm. I do see a lot of that too. And mm. and 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 they, that's not included in that 80%. Where mm-hmm. you know the father has the kid, you know, half the time and the mother has the kid. And no, that's not ideal, but one thing that we have in common with the people who do not grow up in a uh, family where the parents are married, but they're parents love them and they participate in their life and they have big mama and they have you know aunt so and so Mm -hmm. Um, those people, those individuals come out more productive and uh, confident in life you
0: know, and well, I, I would
1: say he's him and his sister are the exception yeah, and not block, the rule.
0: I would definitely say, like, on this block we're sitting in now, because right this is basically mm-hmm. the block I grew up in, mm-hmm. uh, there was one other married couple across the street, but all the mm-hmm. other kids, and it was about 30 kids, right? And of the 30, so that means other 34 of us had uh, had a mother and father in the home, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and the rest. Had a mother, mm-hmm. and sometimes, like, their father would be around, sometimes mm-hmm. he wouldn't, sometimes mm-hmm. an uncle. Uh, and my father and the guy across the street, and uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Bastida, because that was the other married man on the mm-hmm. block. And then it was uh, James, Big James, mm-hmm. and he was like in the game. And then mm-hmm. it was Benny. So, those were like the four um, ideas of a mm-hmm. man. Like close in close direction and right. proximity that we would talk to, so like we'd be playing basketball or we play football, mm-hmm. and then one would be artificial quarterback or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, um, it was just it was unique, like and then even like as I still see, like as you talk about like a gun, mm-hmm. um, somebody that I know, uh, like I accept. Some some of the forms of violence, just I feel like guns exist and you know mm-hmm. people get shot. Like it's mm-hmm. it's one of those tragic things where I, I'm not even as um, You're I'm des- yeah yeah I'm desensitized mm-hmm. to the whole concept. Like right it you know like mm-hmm. I, I hear I hear a gunshot and I mm-hmm. think oh man mm-hmm. I'm, I think like let me get away from the window. Right. I don't think to myself what happened what could right. cause this. I've already accepted mm-hmm. people getting shot as a part of the reality mm-hmm. of society itself right Um, so um, and then
1: it depends on what type of father are you talking about because I Mm -hmm. know a lot of people who get married Mm -hmm. and they stay married and only in death yes it's an unhappy union mm -hmm. success is happiness so Mm -hmm. when you be with someone all of those years and you're happy then you could say that was a successful Mm -hmm. marriage But in some cases, Mm -hmm. the mother was the problem, or the father was the abuser. So whatever happened to those children, those children would have been better off without one of those parents there. Mm -hmm. And Oprah, for example, I don't know why this comes to mind, uh, her mother did not believe her. Mm-hmm. when she told her mother she was being molested and I think it was a cousin's husband and then an uncle. It was more than one person and she sent her to her father which was the best mm-hmm. thing that could ever happen to Oprah because the father and his wife really loved Oprah and at 16 she became pregnant and they told her she was. they were gonna adopt the baby and she was gonna mm-hmm. finish college and she had a miscarriage and she never got pregnant again and I never heard her say anything else about it except for she doesn't regret that she never had any children, which Vivica Fox said she does regret it. And they didn't ask her, how many abortions have you had? Have you ever been pregnant? But there are a lot of women who were seeking a career or trying to get a certain amount of education, a degree up under their belt, Mm -hmm. so they could afford the children that they would eventually want to have. Mm -hmm. So I just see, I I see it's our problem. It's not a male problem, it's not a female problem. Mm -hmm. Black man, black woman, sit down, let's go Mm -hmm. over this. Either we're going to succeed or we're going to fail because our destinies are tied together.
0: Yeah, that's where, like, Shachana, I do want your point on this, is mm-hmm. we're getting to a close. And like I said, okay. I'm going to have to definitely bring you guys back. But, um, but being that you have been married mm-hmm. uh, for so long in, in that marriage and you got married younger, mm-hmm. like, what's what's your take? Because I don't think it's one or the other, but I just mm-hmm. want to say, like, as we talk about what exists in our community, right. you think, you know, what role... And what things would be different if marriage may have been may have been more present? Is it an institution that we still should consider? Is yeah. it like, you know, that's more so the question, right? Her?
3: Okay, um, I think that, um, like, Atari, I think you used the word ideal. Ideal would be uh, marriage would be ideal um, if, if 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 you know the two people involved, you know, both want that. Mm-hmm. Um, when my generation coming up for the most part, and I think that's when it started changing mm-hmm. uh where you know so many girls that were getting pregnant um you know were decided to stay single or whatever uh but you know uh I think the generation right before me, you know you were getting married
0: because it wasn't really an option right you
3: had you 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 got married. And, 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 um, and, and, actually, I'm going to share something very personal. Um, I, uh, and, and I've been married twice. Uh, mm-hmm. My first husband um, uh, is deceased right uh, He's deceased, but I was married to him for 13 years and he had four children by him. Uh, and I married him uh, while I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I intentionally we intentionally got pregnant to get married mm-hmm. because uh, my parents were not for our relationship. Mm-hmm. So us thinking that we knew it all, and of course we found out we didn't, uh, thought, well, we gonna make this happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So that was a way, and and it certainly it did happen. We got sure married. Did. We got mm-hmm. married, mm-hmm. right. So, but then, um, and, and my husband, um, the love of my life now i've been married we've been married twenty seven years um so I know the institution of marriage I love the institution of marriage i think is is it, it, is good um i think though i'm gonna share with you my daughters uh, a couple a couple of my daughters uh were with their uh spouses mm-hmm. one i think for about twelve years before they got married mm-hmm and the other for a good seven years before they got married. Mm -hmm. They were living together, raising the children, Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden one day, okay, we gonna get married. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is, today, even though I would prefer, and I think that is, you know, I I just like uh, maybe for the romanticism of it that you should be married, but I think couples today they live together and raise the children. And I'm mm-hmm. not hating on them for that. As long as you are caring for your kids together. And and then if you find that you can't live together, but yet you co-parent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, things have changed, Kyrie, you're right. People don't get married like they used to. And, and um, I don't, you know, for various reasons and some might be, you know, uh, legal reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would encourage, I encourage my daughters. I'm like, if if you're, you know, living with the guy, and you know, fine, then you, you know, you should marry him. But um, they were, they were okay for years, and then mm-hmm. finally they did do the marriage thing. So let's hope that they stay married.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So on that closing note, um, I generally ask some classic Detroiters different questions. I'm gonna ask just one. But I do want a, just an overview because we talked a lot about family. Mm-hmm. So, what do you, if you all could just give some advice to whoever's listening? What's what's what do you think people should know right now? Just your takes on family because you all are sisters. Mm-hmm. And then I know this has to be unique too. Just like as the relationship with my sister has changed over the years. I'm gonna mm-hmm. pick her up from the airport tonight at um, oh okay at seven. <laughs> so like I mean it's weird because it's like you know I'm a year and a half. Uh, we're a year and a half apart, and that's my big sister. So, oh, okay. So, but you know, seeing this relationship that has grown over the years, and it's like weird. It's like, man, you see somebody from a kid. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that you used to, you know, argue with over toys, and now, you know.
1: Well, um, Shoshana is my very best friend. Oh, she means the world to me and I taught her everything she know, but I didn't (laughs) teach her everything I know. No, on the serious tip, um, I have never regretted one day in my life uh, having the siblings I have. I feel so blessed. Uh, The same with my parents. They didn't, they don't come any better. So I, my dad used to say i have family of the blood and family of the heart so some people who i'm not related to i consider them family because that's how i feel about them and if you don't have a family or you're not with your family whoever treats you as family that that would be your family you know it's not it's not like you're gonna have a less happy life or you're not gonna accomplish as much as a person like Shoshana and I who were very sheltered and our parents were hands on. I'm grateful for that, but there are exceptions where I've seen people that don't, they come from a broken home or one of their parents died before they even became a teenager and uh, they turned out to be remarkable people.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. when you talk about treat um, people who treat you as family, when you're that person and someone treats you all you as family, because you all have welcomed me in on all types of stuff. You welcome me <laughs> into your home many a times. Mm-hmm. So like, um, what what is the onus on that person when people welcome you in as family? Like what, what responsibility do you have if you're being welcomed in to a family? Mm-hmm. as well respect
1: to to respect you mm-hmm. um to love you mm-hmm. to for you to be secure in the knowledge mm-hmm. that itari loves you i don't mm-hmm. know what you're going through i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but understand no matter what mm-hmm. that you're in my thoughts and in my prayers
3: mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful, and all right. and, and then same thing for you. Overall, family, what, right? What what do you think people should know?
3: Well, it, uh, we have something in common. She and I are about a year and a half apart, like mm-hmm. you and your sister. Um, and you know, um, Atari, I, I love her with all my heart, um, as well as my other siblings. But Atari is special because um she says she taught me everything uh she, she knew but didn't teach me everything she know I don't know but actually <laughs> she did because um everything she did I wanted to do and and Atari was so beautiful I mean she's still beautiful but you know as a you know we're we're we're, we're girls sisters and you know she always wore the Latest fashions. Um, uh, Tyree's very creative. Um, you know, and uh, and very stylish, like Vogue, like you know. And and then she's so talented. She know <laughs> how to do her hair. Know how to, you know, uh, back when we wore makeup. She know how to do the makeup. She know and 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 then when uh, I'm usually, she's always been smaller than me, but there was a time when we were right around the same size and I could fit her clothes and you could mm-hmm. believe I would wear her clothes, you know. And and so it, it it was those girl things like that, but then it was so much more because it was her and Cho Quay who um, really uh, led me into the movement. And, you know, I was against some of the things that uh, I had heard about the Republic of New Africa. And my oldest brother, Chokwe, and her, you know, they found that it was okay. So I'm looking like, well, if they think it's okay. And then if Atari would read a book, um, you know, before the Mayflower, for example, or um, uh, 100 Years of Lynching or something, you know, I go to Vaughn's Bookstore. You know, and I'm sitting there getting that book, right? Because Atari said that this book, she told me about uh, Alfred 2 Exhibit, Um And um, so, you know, she was so smart, too. So, you know, I followed. And then when Atari started community college, and I had two children at the time, and I'm like, okay, is my life over? No. Well, if she can go to school, I can go to school, too. So, you know, that's love, that's respect, that's admiration. Uh, and, and and do we fight? <laughs> yes. We argue. We have had, you know, uh, disagreements throughout life. Uh, and especially there was a time when she didn't want to take me nowhere because
0: I was the little sister, mm-hmm. you know. that That's what happens when you're little. Mm-hmm. Right. But now <laughs> now I don't want to take her but, nowhere. Uh, but her
1: accomplishments <laughs> have fire exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Um, so uh, I really, really admire her. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, she told me, me, my mother and um, me were her main care providers for her children. She was in law school mm-hmm. and they say most women with four children do not successfully get a law degree unless there is a built in, uh, you know, nanny like a mother or an aunt, someone who shares the same values. And um, her children, especially Shana and Maisha, we used to call the wrecking crew. Okay, so it's poetic justice to see how much she's accomplished because then my mother and I watching these kids, it would have been in vain uh, if if she didn't uh, turn out. But you know, she never uh, slowed down. She never threw the towel in and accepted defeat. She was in it to win it. And I see how she have grown and now this what she just said about me at some point i said oh god i gotta live up to these expectations Mm -hmm. it was like i didn't know she felt that way about me but the way she said she felt about me that's the way i felt about my older siblings Mm -hmm. i wanted to be like them i Mm -hmm. wanted to uh, you know have the success and the respect that they had from other people and um, not just my family of the blood, uh, though, my family of the heart, because there's some people that I know better than I may know a blood relative, and I feel the love for them that I feel for a sibling or, you know, or right. a cousin.
3: And, and what I would like to leave um, with your audience, um, Kyrie, is that family is everything, and, and family is, is is so instrumental and, um, you know, how an individual develops. And um, there's a lot of dysfunctional families. We've had dysfunction in our family. Uh, You know, there's all types of families, right? But as long as there is love there, then, um, you know, people will develop and grow and, you know, become uh, great in what it is that they want to do, they'll have that esteem, and just like you used to come to my little ninth graders, and, mm. and when I was like, oh god, mm. uh, climbing the walls.
0: Um, yeah, some th- of those kids, some of the ki- main kids that wanted you to climb the walls, just reminded me of me when I was making <laughs> teachers climb. The walls. Yeah, mm. but it's like you
3: you pretty much know, and and maybe I got it from when I was a, a probation officer with juvenile court. You, you you could pretty much identify the kids who had the family, yeah, and a strong network, mm-hmm. and the kids that didn't. Yeah, and I feel so sad for the kids that don't, and and just like you know, um, you see these kids get going out here, getting in gangs, and you know, shooting each other up and doing all. But this the gang thing.
0: is really they're, they're looking family. for that association. They're looking right. for um. Right. To be a part of something. Yeah. And I mean, that's deep that you, that we close like mm-hmm. on such a point that I want. And that's kind of why I wanted the sister connection during this. Because mm-hmm. I knew we would get a lot of takes about mm-hmm. the macro, the micro, and the personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't even dive into um, so much more. But I'm going to have to mm-hmm. get you guys back. Okay, Classic Detroit is different questions that um, uh, your first cars, uh, year, make, model, and what year did you get it? And Where did you go when you got it? Oh, my first car was a Nova. Uh, oh
3: man! <laughs> it was gold. Uh huh. Do and, you remember the year you got it? Oh God, it was when I was in law school, or was it college? Co- no, it was when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gold Nova. Uh, some, you know, um, I started driving uh, late, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and um, so I didn't get a car like when I was in high school and uh, or right. But it was, um, and I got it um, out of, there used to be a paper, and I can't think of the name of it, where it was a sale. you look mm-hmm. in there, and it'd be things out there. and mm-hmm. uh, So that's where I got my first car, and, and, and maybe the, the three or four cars after that, mm-hmm.
0: um, I oh, got so it. so it didn't last that long. Oh, it no. Was, so oh, basically no. it was like you, yeah. <laughs> you had to tow it back to yeah, the same place. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. You drove right back to the same yeah. lot, like,
3: yeah, and then the other ones I got at car auctions. Okay. Yeah, I got nice. them at car auctions, and then eventually I was uh, able to get a brand new car. There we go, <laughs> kick the tires. That's mm-hmm. All right, you remember your first car? Uh, uh-huh.
1: No comment. I remember my dad and Shoshana and I in the car together, and this uh, car cut in front of them, and he said, um, women drivers and I said dad that's not a woman that's a man well that's a man driving like a woman
3: Uh, my father was somewhat of a a chauvinist he was uh, when it came to that era yeah yes but
1: but still he was a gentleman (laughs) and a provider and a protector simply uh, in the words of Farrell Saunders Leon Thomas uh, who sang on the album Mm. If there was ever a man who was generous, gracious, and good, it was my dad, the man we love. And finally, I wanted to say my dad um, could be gentle and kind. However, he was very stern and he didn't have any problem with letting someone know he didn't appreciate them. Father Villaro. he told them he was a racist and an alcoholic and Father Villaro turned red and just had another drink. And I couldn't believe my father stood up to the priest like that. But, uh, for example, the president, Donald Trump, dad probably wouldn't use an inappropriate word like U-M-F. He would say, son, you need to go to the circus with the rest of them clowns. Right,
3: mm-hmm. let, let me share something. This is how I am, like uh, a lot of ways, like my dad, but this way in particular. Mm-hmm. My, talk about cars, because that's what you asked about. My dad always had a station wagon, I and mean, he had to, because he yeah, had y'all to Yeah, all y'all <laughs> kids, it's <laughs> like,
0: y'all, they, they did not have the SUV back in the yeah. day. Yeah, so. He's so. not going to be looking fly.
3: When I uh, started buying new cars, Always a minivan, mm-hmm. always a minivan, and always make sure I could load everybody up, you know. So I, you know, but he always had a station wagon. Oh
0: man, love those oh, station wagons. Oh. <laughs> yep. See, mm-hmm. ah, the station wagon. All right, now here's another classic mm-hmm. trait is different question. Okay. I know what the last one you gonna answer. I think I know. Oh, this. okay. But. All right, it's the end of the fireworks. You're at Woodward and Jefferson. You're a DJ. You get to play three songs. <laughs> what three songs are you all playing for the crowd? You better go. You the music musicologist.
1: <laughs> oh shoot, there's so many. It, it, the the Temptations, Stevie Wonder. Well, I, what what song? Uh, what what particular? You know
3: any particular songs? Uh. Um, okay and and we and it's the fireworks. Well, yeah. you got to do some earth wind and fire. Okay. Uh I'm gonna throw. oh god. Uh, well don't, what comes to mind is reasons for some reason okay.
1: but um De- devotion comes to my mind when you say earth,
0: wind. Okay. Okay, a lot of people pick the elements. Okay. So um, they, the element. they but they don't pick
3: that. So um, okay. Um, okay. Uh but it's a fireworks. I'm thinking of some
0: jumpy something really Mm. Uh, upbeat uh, tune. I mean, they, they, there's uh, most people pick September. They'd be like, "Can I play September?" Not in September. Oh God! Dancing oh, yeah, yeah, in I the streets. That. The uh, okay, so uh, the Martha, Martha Reeves. Reeves. Oh yeah, no, that's a good. Okay, one Okay, so dancing in the streets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I mean, up tempo. You got shining star. You got boogie Wonderland. You got okay. less groove tonight. I well, know I like shiny shiny star. I, I, okay, shining so star. Okay, so shining star dancing yeah. in the streets, and we need one more song. Uh, one more. Um, Um,
3: up-tempo, uh, think of, uh... I have too much of an
1: inventory. I used to work in the record business for 10 years, and when they called me the, um...
3: I would do a Bob Marley. Give me a Bob Marley song.
1: Um,
0: Redemption Song.
1: Redemption Song. Mm. Or so em-
0: at event. Yeah. E-
1: emancipation. I, I don't know because mm. Bob Marley, he just had so I many. Mean,
3: yeah,
0: every one of his yeah. is yeah, like mm-hmm. revolutionary almost. Yeah, I probably mm-hmm. would include a Bob Marley. So at, there we out go. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I always ask if you could rename Woodward after one d Trader who would it be and why? But I think I know who you guys would pick. Hmm. Well I'll pick
3: Choquay oh you think of Joe Lewis no I think you guys will pick Cho, Cho Lumumba Avenue <laughs> yeah, because uh-huh. we did get them the name uh, you know right Two at corners. Cass and Warren mm-hmm. uh where they were supposed to. it was supposed to extend from Woodward mm-hmm. all the way to the lodge uh Choquey mm-hmm. Avenue
2: yep mm-hmm.
0: so Choquay one of my big homies mm-hmm. family you know uh, we're gonna keep this thing rolling. Thank you all so much for uh, coming by. This was fun. This okay. was fun. I might have to get you guys back. Thank you, Carrie. Okay. It's been
3: you, fun. Kari. Thank you for having us. All right.
1: Yep. And making us feel so comfortable. <laughs>